you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, what's up, y'all? Tori Holt. I'm a St. Louis Rams greatest show on turf. You are now with the NFL Report. Welcome to the NFL Report's first edition, Steve. Playoff edition. There James Palmer, Steve White's with you on a Tuesday evening if you're watching this program we have tremendous guests our insider Mike Garofolo is going to give us everything about the coaching carousel that is happening right now is Bryce Young helping or hurting the Panthers in their search and Jeff Chidea will join us is Tua or Trevor Lawrence Steve worth a big contract we'll find out also Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston friend of the show what's happening in New England does Mike Vrabel's departure from Tennessee now play a part in what's happening in New England. Steve, I'm very excited. It's wildcard weekend. I'm going to be at Arrowhead. I'm not excited for that part because it's uh, <laughs> Dolphins, Chiefs, and it's going to be about six degrees uh, for me while I'm standing there on the sidelines. Well, JP, look, you're, you're going to get a front row seat, so to speak, but a lot of other folks are going to have to tune in to the Peacock streaming app exclusively. Yeah. And coming up also on the show, we're going to have Mike North, the NFL's VP of Broadcast Planning, explaining why this huge game between the Dolphins and the Chiefs is available yeah, only on a Peacock streaming app. Allen in the shotgun. Here's the snap. Fires over in the right side and into the end zone for the touchdown is Dawson Knox. And the Bills have the lead. Back to pass. Fires out to the left sideline. And it's intercepted by Taylor Rapp. The Buffalo Bills steal the division title from the Miami Dolphins. Well, look, everything we talked about so far is big news, but it is bigger news Tuesday, usually a segment we assign for Mondays, yeah. but we were kind of bumped back because Monday was a little busy yesterday. So, JP, bigger news, those Buffalo Bills rallying from 6-6 six and six to win the AFC East or the Houston Texans winning the AFC South? I'm going the Houston Texans, Steve. I know this is a great story in Feel Buffalo, you. but they've had success. Success is a word that has not been used in Houston for some time. D'Amico Ryans, the fourth head coach they've had in the last four seasons. Remember, the three seasons prior to this one, nobody lost more games than the Houston Texans. They went 11-38-1, and, and now they've won the AFC South. Now, what this really looks like to me, Steve, spending time in Houston covering that beat, is that there were fans, and I know this talking to people in Houston, that were very weary of getting back in with their fandom. They were burned by the Deshaun Watson situation. And now I believe this has solidified that you have a quarterback in C.J. Stroud. You have a head coach in D'Amico Ryans that is building something not just this year, but years moving forward. And I mentioned C.J. Stroud. He doesn't deserve enough credit, even though he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Three players in the history of the NFL, Steve, had led the, led the league in yards per game and touchdown to interception ratio. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, and now C.J. Stroud. And I don't think either one of those guys did it in their rookie season. So where this team stands right now, winning the division, give me a number. How many quarterbacks would you take if you were building a franchise over C.J. Stroud? Wow. You know, it's interesting. I, five, maybe six. Five, And I'm talking about guys, you know, like okay. Lamar Jackson, like Joey Burrow. Mm -hmm. Um, there, there's just, there's, there's a couple other dudes, you know, you know, my guy, Brock Purdy, I've got a soft spot, but I am taking CJ Stroud <laughs> over like Brock Purdy, you know, Dak, yeah. I probably would take Dak, Patrick Mahomes, of course. Um, but he is right mm -hmm. in the mix, but JP, the bigger story it, it is the Buffalo Bills, because think about this. I mean, we talked about when they were six okay. and six, people were talking about their head coach, Sean McDermott being out of there. Like he, he, let, let's get him out of Good here. Point. What's going on with Josh Allen? Von Miller, what, 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 what's the deal with him? There was just so much chaos and controversy around this team. And then that's when you planted your stake in the ground and said, 
This team is going to be the most dangerous team should they get yes. into the playoffs. It's after they lost and to the, Philly, and, and I was there. And yep. that is exactly what's going on because they're playing a physical brand of football. What we saw them do against the Miami Dolphins, when Josh Allen was trying to give, give that game away in the first half with all of those interceptions, and the defense, which was battered and injured, showed up, and they started running the football. Gabe Davis, the wide receiver and a friend of the show, goes out with an injury. Josh Allen says, I'll take it and run mm -hmm. it. Sneak, big runs. Their style of football and what they've done is going to get them through the playoffs. Look, they play host now to the J to the TJ Wattless Pittsburgh Steelers. We think Buffalo's moving on to the next round, JP. You called the most dangerous team, and someone is about to find out. All right, number two, JP. Let's get this. Since we're talking about okay. teams that were surging, let's talk about the team where the parachute hasn't opened when they pull the ripcord. Bigger news. The Miami Dolphins' <laughs> injuries and failures down the stretch when they should have clinched the AFC East weeks ago or the Philadelphia Eagles, who just seem in full-blown freefall. I got to go with my hometown squad, Steve. I think it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. When you say freefall, they are the first team in the history of the NFL to start 10-1 and and not win 12 games. Mm. I mean, this is a collapse at the end of the season that really has me shaking my head because if you ask anybody in Philadelphia, if you listen to what's being said out of the locker room, you know what it appears, Steve? They don't have any answers on how to fix this. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the scariest part about what's going on right now. The Dolphins, even though they have all those injuries on the defensive side of the ball, they still have Vic Fangio running that group. The Eagles wish they had Vic Fangio. They wanted Vic Fangio, actually. <laughs> Maybe he'll be back there next year because they've tried two defensive coordinators and neither one of them has worked out. It's a defense that has gotten old very quickly. Up front, they're not getting the pressure they did a year ago. They need more out of their youngsters up front and an offense that we know has a ton of talent. But, man, there's a couple of injuries there that are holding them back. There's just a lot of questions with not a lot of answers. Steve, what about the Dolphins side of things? Because I know there's something you saw in Week 18 that makes you think this is bigger news. Yeah, I mean, look, the Dolphins, to me, are the bigger news. Their body language uh, was just really bad. Once okay. they face adversity, and it's not the first time we've seen it, right? Once they get into a tough game, it's kind of like, oh, man, what do we do? You know, the defense has been, as bad mm. as they are, their defense has been holding up. I mean, you talked about Vic Fangio. They're yep. down so many edge rushers that they just signed Bruce Irvin and Justin Houston for this playoff game Let's at go. Kansas City. I actually love those signings. You know, again, we, we talked you about do. Melvin Ingram. Hey, we talked about Melvin Ingram in coverage, and I joked he looked like the comedian Robin Harris chasing after Bebe's kids back <laughs> in the day. after and that's, exact, that's exactly yeah. what he did. But, I mean, just, just the way their offense isn't functioning. And, yes, they could get Raheem Mostert and Jalen Waddle back, and that is going to be huge. But then they draw the matchup of playing a great defense with corners who can cover. Legereus Sneed should be all pro. He's someone who's going to be a problem when Tyreek goes back to Kansas City where they lost earlier this year, where that Chiefs defense, by virtue of Trent McDuffie getting that fumble recovery, won that game for the Kansas City Chiefs. For as much as we talk about the Chiefs' struggles, what's going on in Miami right now just doesn't feel right. Not saying they can't win this game, but it's going to take some special mojo early on in two-degree weather for them to get it going. Way to remind last, me. Yeah, last week, yeah. JP, you get in front row. You, know, you, you, know, you can watch it on Peacock if you, uh, you know, if you don't want to have that front row seat in the car. No, I'll, I'll brave the elements. They'll be I'll streaming brave the it. elements. They'll be streaming it in the press box. Last one. This, is the, this, is, this story here, though, it's, it takes two hands to handle this burger right here. Bigger news. Matthew Stafford and the Rams going back to Detroit, where Stafford is just a legend, where he really made his mark in the league. Or yeah. Mike McCarthy going to are hosting the Green Bay Packers where he won a Super Bowl as Dallas with that number two seed tries to advance to an NFC championship game. Man, I think about Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. I think about the ratings during that Rams Super Bowl in Detroit, how everybody was watching and rooting for Matthew Stafford to win a Super Bowl. But I'm going with Mike McCarthy <laughs> against his old team and the Packers. You know why, Steve? Because I don't think there is a coach in this postseason that probably has more eyeballs and more pressure on them than Dallas Cowboys head coach oh. Mike McCarthy. Oh, Think about okay. this. They are 8-0 at home this season. You can't lose your first home game of the season in the postseason to your former team. Steve, what would Jerry Jones do if that actually happened? We know the attention Dan Quinn is getting, their defensive coordinator. Yep. 
around the league in these head coaching cycles right now. We know the way Jerry Jones feels about Bill Belichick. Yes, we do. Could a change possibly <laughs> happen in Dallas if Mike McCarthy doesn't win this game against his former team, against a quarterback in an offense that is playing extremely well? Jordan Love is playing out of his mind right now or playing exactly the way they planned it, right? Who knows? But what he's doing is he has explosive plays at times. He's been down receivers. It's been fine. And the games, they've been able to sustain drives to not let the other team's offense back on the field. Steve, right now, Jordan Love, this season, he did something that Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre did not do in their first year as a oh. starter in Green Bay. He took his team to the postseason. He's thrown for more yards. He's thrown for more touchdowns. He's thrown for fewer interceptions. That's the player Mike McCarthy has to beat with everybody watching him in Dallas. Well, you know, his, his quarterback, Dak Prescott, is playing pretty good football right now. But outside, oh, outside of Lamar Jackson, who's going to be the MVP, there might not be two hotter quarterbacks right now than Jordan Love and Matthew Stafford, this has, been, this has been the most overlooked story in the NFL this year, how well Matthew Stafford is playing. Yes, we're talking about Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup, but Matthew Stafford is the reason why. Remember last year, he had the, show, the, the neck injury. He had the elbow injury. He just didn't look right. They thought maybe he was done, and he has come back and played revitalized football. He's been just in, incredible, and the run game with Kyron Williams helps him. But the reason why this is so juicy, besides him just returning, again, to where he became a hero in Detroit, is the ties between this game. Lions GM Brad Holmes okay. and his assistant GM Ray Agnew came from the Rams staff. You have Puka Nakua going as family member, Penay Sewell. We have so many cousins. ties. They are cousins. We have so many ties between these teams. Jared Goff getting a chance to get some get back against Sean McVay and the team that sent him to Detroit. He should be grateful for that instead of being angry for it because his career has really blossomed under Ben Johnson. And that's the final part. Two potential head coaches like on this field with Raheem Morris, the D.C. for the Rams, and Ben Johnson, the O.C. for the Lions. Facing, Aaron Glenn's getting some looks too, though. Facing off. That's right. Yeah. Aaron Glenn getting some looks also. Well, JP, you know, the biggest conversation, we're probably not going to, we're going to be talking about it for a while, is Bill Belichick, the Patriots coach, who is the greatest to ever do it at me if you think otherwise. But coming up, a friend of the show, Phil Perry from New England, is going to give us more on the latest at the NFL Report, which, by the way, also is a podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome back to the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich, once again with you with an old friend of the show. I got to see him in person recently, and it was tremendous. Phil Perry, he sits top row of the two-story press box in New England. I'm not entirely sure because the angle's not great up there, Phil. I don't know why you like it because we always are bending down all the time to see everything. You don't see the, the, big, the big new screen from up there. Why do you like sitting so high? Uh, it's really a lack of self-confidence, James, when I get to sit up high and I'm, I'm above everyone and I'm physically taller than everyone in that moment. It just makes me feel like a stronger, better person. So I think that's the reason. Well, Phil, speaking of having like that, that, okay. that authoritative, that authoritative posture, we know Bill Belichick has had that authoritative posture in New England for you know a couple of decades. The situation there now, I mean, we, we know it's, it's undecided whether he's coming back or not. But just since you're there, if you could tell folks, do folks want him back? Is there a feeling that he's wanted back? Well, I would say if you're talking about the team, you're talking about ownership. My understanding is that they have been leaning in one direction for some time now. And they are leaning hard towards parting ways with Bill Belichick. When it comes to the fans, Steve, I would say somewhat surprisingly, although I understand their reasoning too, it is relatively split. We ran a poll recently in one of our post-game shows on NBC Sports Boston where it was actually just slightly above 50% of our polled contributors who wanted Bill Belichick to come back despite the record this year, despite how it looked last year, despite the way things have been trending here in Foxborough. But 
Uh, those within the team, you know, the the assumption is and has been really for weeks is that the Crafts will ultimately part ways with Bill Belichick. I think the reason it hasn't happened yet is because it is complicated. Are, are they trying to get some compensation from whatever team Bill Belichick is coaching next? There are a lot of moving parts here. So um, I wouldn't anticipate we're hearing anything on Bill Belichick for, for a little while. I don't think it's going to be weeks, but my guess is nothing today. Okay, we'll get back to Bill. Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston joining us, our good buddy. I just want to ask you this, Phil. You did those polls. There's probably not enough time right now because this just happened to put a poll out there on what the pulse is in New England with Mike Vrabel now becoming available with him parting ways in Tennessee. But overall right now, when that news dropped, what's the buzz? What's your thought in New England as Hay possibly landing as a candidate for the head coaching position if they do part ways with Bill Belichick. People here in terms of the fan base love Mike Vrabel. He was just inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame, obviously a three-time champion here, defensive end, outside linebacker, inside linebacker at times, a touchdown machine uh, as a tight substitute end. tight yeah. end on the goal line. <laughs> so, you know, people love, love, love Vrabel here. And I thought it was interesting when he was here, as this was in October, and he was addressing the crowd at halftime. He said, we've got a, go a game to go win. It really felt like he was part of the organization in that moment while he's still head coach of the Tennessee Titans. He also pleaded with fans to appreciate what you have here because it's not like here everywhere else. And we all know things weren't perfect in Tennessee. Um, I wonder if Mike Vrabel is the kind of fit that the Crafts would like to have in that head coaching role because they are if they and if they are parting ways with Bill Belichick do they want someone who wants a lot of control because even though Mike Vrabel wasn't the general manager in Tennessee it does seem as though he he's clashed with a couple of general managers there now and if he were to come to New England you know New England's been a place over the last couple of years where ownership clearly has wanted a more collaborative process between the front office and the coaching staff and Bill Belichick obviously is GM and head coach in one body here, but they've wanted more input from people around Bill Belichick over the years. Would they be getting somebody who is uh, going to meet them on some of those requests, some of those demands? I'm sure that they'll have of whoever's coaching the Patriots next in terms of being willing to collaborate and, and providing the kind of transparency that I think they would like after Bill Belichick is gone. That to me is a, is a significant question because I think Mike Vrabel, again, I think he, he wants to be heard he wants to have his say and he is even though he's a younger guy and a very different personality from bill belichick he's a little bit old school now you know i don't think <laughs> yes, we're talking about is. a quote-unquote players coach you know so so it should be some tough love uh, continuing here in new england if he were the next guy steve i just wanted to jump in real quick and ask you this phil because i, I found it interesting you brought up him getting inducted into the patriots hall of fame and i remember that game it was a bye week for the titans he sat with robert Kraft in the box in Kraft's box a very rare occurrence for a current head coach to be sitting with another team's owner in a box. And I'm just kind of curious when I look at that, and it's because of his connections to obviously New England, do, do the Patriots, if they move on from Bill Belichick, do they want somebody outside of the quote-unquote family? Right. Um, or, or, or they are still looking towards just you know what they're used to because those are the names that we really only hear keep coming up. It's a fair question, James, especially the way things have gone here of late. There is a section of the fan base that would say, please, Kraft family, just clean house. Just get everybody out and start fresh. Unfortunately for them, based on conversations that I've had with people who know the Crafts and, and understand their thinking and how they might go about this if and when they're replacing Bill Belichick, unfortunately for that section of the fan base, I think they're going to be disappointed because I think wherever the Crafts go next, both at head coach and general manager, it's going to be with someone with whom they have a relationship. They are, in my opinion, not going to be meeting mm. someone or finally getting to know someone for the first time during an interview process and then all of a sudden give that person the keys to the castle, whether it's as head coach or general manager. So whether it's Mike Vrabel, Gerard Mayo, to me, is still the odds-on favorite to succeed Bel Bill Belichick okay. if the Crafts end up moving on. Um, or in the front office, Elliot Wolf is very well liked, very well respected. He's the director of scouting here right now. Uh, or Dave Ziegler, who is now available, former general manager we know of the Vegas Raiders. He still has a good relationship with the Kraft family. Those are the kinds of names that I would anticipate they're looking at whenever Bill Belichick moves on.
It's just so interesting you say that, Phil, because if they're going to keep things the same, why get rid of them unless it's just kind of an individual clash? Now, I, won't, I won't even say clash, like, like, like a difference, because if they're going to stay in that lane, then why get rid of Bill? So that's a fair point, Steve. What I would say is you are going to get something different. If those two names that I just brought up that I, I think are, are pretty good bets um, to be elevated, again, we'll wait and see what the crafts ultimately decide. But Gerard Mayo, if you know Gerard Mayo, couldn't be any more different than Bill Belichick pers- personality-wise. Now, he obviously played under Bill Belichick. He has now coached under Bill Belichick for some time. But I think it would be a mistake to assume that he's going to handle relationships in the building the same way, that he's going ah. to try to shape the culture in the same way that Bill Belichick has tried to shape it over the course of the last two-plus decades. So you're going to get a very, very different person, a different coaching style, and I would say even a different approach to modern football with Gerard Mayo if he ends up being elevated. And the interesting thing with Elliot Wolf, although he has been here the last several years in a couple of different capacities in New England, he's really not a Belichick guy, quote-unquote. He cut his teeth in Green Bay and worked his way up the ladder there, spent some time in Cleveland. So he has a little different background than some others who really have been raised at the foot of Bill Belichick and really as professional coaches only know one way, and that's the Bill Belichick way. So those two guys in particular, I think, would give the Patriots something much different. Phil, I don't know if we're past this. I I don't know where they are in terms of meetings uh, between the Crafts and and Bill Belichick, but when they do meet or if they have met, I, I don't know how many they've had, How much of the quarterback position do you think plays a part, or is this above that? Like saying, does Bill need to present a plan if he were to stay on what he would like to do with the position, or is this just even above the quarterback issue that's been there in New England? I think it goes above and beyond that, James, although I I think it's a a key piece to why Bill Belichick will eventually be moving on, in my opinion. I mean, you just look at the draft in general, whether it's the quarterback or anywhere else, over the course of the last decade, the the hits in the first round are few and far between. It looks like they got one. It looks like they got one this past spring. And Christian Gonzalez, he played in four games. But again, go back over the years, Malcolm Brown, Dominique Easley, Isaiah Wynn, and Sony Michelle. I mean, it has been, uh, you know, not even mentioning Nikhil Harry. It's It's been a rough go for Bill Belichick over the last 10 years. In the draft. So that's an issue. And and would he be willing to give up any sort of personnel power if he were to stay in New England? He was asked that question the other day in his season-ending press conference, and he made it sound as though the tone, you know, that he used in his answer made it sound as though he might be willing to budge there, but he really didn't say he would be willing to budge. And he'll tell you, I am willing to listen to anybody who's around me. And we've got a lot of people who are around me who are helping me. I can't possibly scout all these college players over the course of the year. And he's right. But these decisions are ultimately his decisions. And so I think that's going to be a big piece to why the crafts end up deciding whatever it is they decide at the quarterback spot in particular. You know, going back to that draft, 2021, I was told, was Bill Belichick, was Bill Belichick excuse me, completely sold on taking Mac Jones at 15 overall that year in the first round? The answer would be no. But it was still his decision. You know, there's been a narrative that sort of caught on locally here that well, maybe Robert Kraft forced Bill Belichick to take Mac Jones because they really didn't have a quarterback. They're just coming off a tough year with Cam Newton as their starter. Not the case, is my understanding, at least having spoken to people who were in the room that night. They all decided, is he maybe Andy Dalton? And is that not necessarily superstar quality. Uh, Yes, that's essentially how they thought of him, but they also knew if we don't take a shot on a quarterback, we'll never hit. We're in quarterback purgatory. That's the word that was used in recent conversations that I've had with these people. They thought they were in quarterback purgatory and they needed to take a shot at a quarterback and Bill Belichick was included in that decision and he was the guy who who ultimately pulled the trigger there. So uh, drafting him, not developing them properly, surrounding them with the right pieces. I think all of this stuff will factor into the craft decision, but it goes well beyond the quarterback spot. Fascinating, Phil. Fascinating. Appreciate you jumping on. I feel like, Steve, we have to have Phil on pretty much every show moving forward until a decision's made, so clear your calendar, Phil. Appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, Phil. I'm always here for you guys. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Thanks, man. Hey, coming up on the NFL report, there's a Harbaugh. Are there going to be two of them in the NFL? Uh, the NFL Report's NFL insider Mike Garofolo joins the show next.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You're listening to the NFL Report podcast, but you can watch me, Steve Weich, and my co-host James Palmer on the NFL Report at 7.15 Eastern Time on Mondays and Thursdays on the NFL app and free streaming platforms on the NFL channel on Roku, Tubi, Peacock, Pluto TV, and other free streaming apps. Welcome back into the NFL Report. James Palmer, Steve Weich with you. And here are your head coaching vacancies right now. The one at the bottom, Mike Vrabel, just happened on Tuesday as he departs the Tennessee Titans. And Mike Garofolo, the NFL Report's NFL insider, joins us now. And Mike has been all over every aspect of these coaching searches. And there's one name that had just won a big game in the college football world, Mike, we'll get right to it. And Jim Harbaugh, I just have to ask you, because I've been watching you crush it on NFL Network. Nice little, you know, compliment from your boy here. Um, and what you have to say about Harbaugh and the situations that he's walking into and the situations these teams are walking into by wanting to look at him and have him be a potential candidate. I'm just curious. They know who he is. They know he wins games. Do you just let him be who he is? Or do any of these teams try to... I don't know, change him, do something. How does the search go when you know so much about a guy that's so complicated? Uh, well, a lot of teams don't know that much about him. Right. I mean, they've, they've heard things from afar, and that's part of the process is uh, having those conversations with those who have worked with him before and the organizations that he's been with, organization, certainly in this case with the 49ers that he's worked with. We know how things ended there with the 49ers uh, that last year. I remember it was week one and the reports were coming out that this was going to be Jim Harbaugh's last season with the 49ers. Like, how do you exist as an organization for that entire year? Um, so the feedback they're getting is not, a, it's not all negative, right? I mean, uh, yeah. Jim Harbaugh won a lot of games. He went to the Super Bowl. He almost won the Super Bowl. Um, so, and, and the year before uh, was in it against the Giants in an NFC championship game that they could have easily won if not for a few mistakes in the rain that day. So you're going to get feedback if you're going and asking people who have worked with Harbaugh before that if you want to win ball games, yeah, that's great. But don't expect that you're hiring this guy to be your coach for the next, I don't know, what's it been, 15 years? John Harbaugh's been with the Baltimore Ravens. That Harbaugh's a little different than this Harbaugh. Mm -hmm. He's going to wear out his welcome eventually. But in the meantime, you're going to win games. So I keep saying of all these openings right now, the one that to me makes the most sense for him is the L.A. Chargers because they've got the makeup of a team that can compete right away, uh, particularly at the quarterback position. Okay, I wouldn't, if you're looking to hire Jim Harbaugh and you are a team that is looking to draft a guy and maybe rebuild in a lot of the ways, like let's say they're doing in Washington, that doesn't seem to be a good fit to me. So we'll see where it goes. Okay. Uh, but if, if I'm Jim Harbaugh too, I kind of look at it and say, hey, Chargers already made the win right now as well. So to me, that would be the one that makes the most sense. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it'd be interesting because they've got the quarter. You know, we know Harbaugh is a builder and rebuilder of programs. They got the quarterback, but their record says that program needs to be built back up. Here's an interesting one because, of course, he's been tied to the Raiders as well. You know, he hired Don Yee as his agent. Don Yee was Tom Brady's agent. Brady's got the relationship with the Raiders. But regardless, if Antonio Pierce, the interim coach, if he doesn't get the job there, and we know he's in the running, how come we're not hearing any uh, requests for interviews for Antonio Pierce? Because he seems like someone who this year has got his locker room behind him and he won some ball games. Yeah. Well, he's a little bit outside the box because he came from linebackers coach right through uh, being a coordinator. Mm -hmm. Mark Davis said he was intrigued by the idea. He also came in and said, I'm going to do the full Raiders thing, right? That's me. That's who I am. Ah, he's genuine about it. Great point. And so. It's going to rub people the wrong way. Look, Steve, am I going to have to speak in code on this one? I just might have to. Um, that's going to rub some people okay. the wrong way, or he's not going to be many people's idea of what a head coach should act like, right? Uh, but you know what? Sometimes out-of-the-box thinking and out-of-the-box hires. I mean, Mike McDaniel, 
that higher down in Miami. Yeah, That's not course. the idea right. of what a head coach looks like yep. or acts like or, or, or anything to that end. And he's done a phenomenal job so far. So sometimes you got to think like, hey, maybe we don't have to keep looking for that cookie cutter uh, idea of sure. a head coach that we've had for a number of years. But it's also the right fit. So to answer your question, why are we not hearing those interviews elsewhere and what happens? If he doesn't get the Raiders job, obviously he wouldn't remain on the staff because the new coach wouldn't want that looking over his shoulder. I get that. He's still a great football mind. It's not to say that he's just this personality. I mean, yeah. when he was a, a, a player, we talked about him as a coach on the field. He's got a great grasp of the X's and O's. I think he'll make a terrific assistant coach and maybe even a coordinator at some point to maybe rebuild the resume for another chance down the line. But it just, everything right now is geared toward him getting that job right now with the Vegas Raiders. Let's jump over to Carolina, Mike. I'm curious because we're, we're looking at all, all the guys are looking at in terms of a GM vacancy. And then they're going to fill a head coaching spot as well. When everybody's looking at this and you're making calls, is Bryce Young helping this in terms of people being interested? Or is he hurting this Ooh, in terms of being interested with the way this first season went with him? Good question. Uh, I, well, here's what I think is hurting it more than anything is the lack of firepower at the top of the draft that they gave up to get Bryce Young. Like, if you had him and you still had a first-round pick, it would be a much different story. So I think that's hurting uh, more okay. than anything. He also, in a lot of ways, was a lot of people's thought uh, as the top quarterback in the draft last year, not just the Carolina Panthers. I, I guess, I, I mean, I don't know if I would call it a consensus. I don't remember the exact numbers. It was closer to 50-50, certainly, than it was to 100-0 the other way between him and C.J. Stroud. Um, so there are those who are out there and say, hey, once I get a hold of Bryce Young and we improve the talent around him, okay. that was something even before so Frank Reich thing. got hired that Frank Reich, exactly. Hey, I'm lie. Listen, you, you want to know what a coach <laughs> thinks of himself? Ask him about, hey, what, how's this guy doing? Ah, not as good as if I had him. Uh, You'll get that a lot, sure. Yeah. Uh, yep. But <laughs> even before Frank Reich got fired last year, the notion amongst the staff there and the personnel people there was, well, just wait till we surround them with talent. So that'll be the belief for whoever winds up taking this job. There is interest in it. Uh, I, I thought coming into the hiring cycle that this was going to be one of those. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole because of what you're asking me about with Bryce Young. And also David Tepper, because a lot of people may be seeing some stuff from yeah, afar course, and not right? know exactly what he's like to work with him. But there is reciprocal interest in this job, maybe a little bit more so than I thought there was going to be. Well, Mike, you know there's always someone going to take one of the 32, and there's always usually about 5 or $6 million a year that also uh, is nice incentive for these guys to do it. And, Mike, every day we want to let people know that we can catch you on the inside, as long with your buddies Ian Rappaport right. and Tom Pelissero and Judy Batista. We also love having you here as the NFL Report Insider. Great right. stuff. I love the stuff on Antonio Pierce, brother. That was really, really good stuff, bro. That's right. Coming up next, we got the Chiefs. That's right. And we've got the Dolphins. But you better have Peacock if you want to watch them. Up next, we're going to find out why this game is only on a streaming app on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, welcome back to the NFL Report. And those of you watching, you can see the Super Wildcard Weekend schedule. We got Brown Texans Saturday. Saturday night, Dolphins Chiefs, 8 p.m. on Peacock, the streaming app. That is exclusive on Peacock. Of course, Steelers Bills, Packers Cowboys, Rams at Lions, Eagles and Buccaneers. And here to explain more on how the schedule was put together and some of the other machinations, we have the NFL's VP of Broadcast Planning, Mike North. Mike, thanks for joining us. And first off, Mike, you know, I thought there was going to be some wizardry board behind you, but all we're seeing is some articles in a Michael Sam jersey, Plus. man. We thought there was some crazy, like, metric computer behind you <laughs> that made this happen. 
there's another room uh, with oh. our scheduling board. Although the truth is, the scheduling <laughs> board is a, you know it's a relic of a bygone era. You guys both remember Val Pinchbeck, who used to literally build the NFL schedule one game at a time, one tag at a time. So much more of it is yeah. done now. You know, with the software trying to take into account factors that we never could have considered back in the day. And, uh, you know, we're doing our best. I'm not sure it's perfect, but seems to be hitting most of the right buttons. If you think about this season, you know, most of our network partners, viewership numbers are pretty good. Had some real kind of high watermarks with like that Chiefs-Eagles Monday night game or Thanksgiving or Christmas again. There's been some real good stuff and excited to see it start to pay off now in the postseason. Mike, I'm curious, Sunday, everybody is just waiting to see who plays when, on what network, what happens. How does Sunday kind of unfold, especially when you had going into Sunday, what was it, 20 teams with a possibility of going into the postseason? How did Sunday kind of break down, and how does it go to being finally given to us Sunday night? Yeah, well, remember, it's it's not even just Sunday, right? It starts on Saturday. We had right. two pretty compelling games on yeah. Saturday afternoon. Kind of use Saturday as those, uh, call them an appetizer, a little amuse-bouche, if you will, a little uh, win and get some help or, or play to stay alive, something like that. So Pittsburgh's a great example. They were the perfect Saturday game. They had to win. They knew that. And then they needed help. And they needed either Jacksonville or Buffalo to get beat on Sunday for them to know that they were playing. Houston Indy, a little different. They knew the winner was in, but they were both still eyeing a division title. So interestingly, when Jacksonville lost, you know, that benefited both of the winners from Saturday and Buffalo on Sunday night, even though obviously they played their hardest. Um, look, we're trying to sequence all of the final weekend of the season to be, you know, cascading games with playoff implications over and over and over again all throughout the weekend. Saturday, play to stay alive. Sunday, play and get some help. Clinch a couple divisions early. Come into the late window. Dallas playing for a division title. Green Bay playing for a playoff spot. And then culminating with that last game of the season, uh, hopefully a win and in and, and rendered bulletproof from any of the previous results of the weekend. So you know no matter what, when you get to kick off a Sunday night, somebody's winning in. And we're just kind of watching the whole day play out just like the rest of the fans are. And like, oh, okay, now this means they've clinched. And this means they're the two. And this means they're going to end up playing those guys. And, oh, man, we might end up with that Rams-Detroit-Stafford returns game on Wild Card Weekend. And if we do, what's the best use of that asset? Is it Sunday afternoon? Is it mm -hmm. Sunday night? Is it Saturday? Is it Peacock? Is it Monday night? And so the way the Wild Card Weekend comes together is – we sort of work backwards. Uh, we work backwards from Monday. Uh, we've been doing the Monday night wildcard game. This will be the third season. And that creates obviously some extra uncertainty. You win on Sunday of wildcard weekend. You don't know yet, maybe, who you play on divisional weekend. Mm -hmm. That's new for us. Having the Monday game be a four seed versus a five minimizes the uncertainty. Everybody else knows what they're doing, and somebody's going to play the winner of the four or five game on Monday. So we like a four or five game on Monday night. Someday we'll play a 3-6 or a 2-7. But this year, we had a pretty good one in Philly, Tampa. Now the winner of that Monday plays the following Sunday, and you're either playing San Francisco, the one seed, or maybe Dallas or Detroit, depending on if the seeds hold. You know you're always building wild card weekend with an eye towards divisional weekend. Backing up from Monday to Sunday, Dallas Cowboys, Green Bay Packers, that sure sounds like Sunday afternoon, 4-30, um, kind of right where it belongs. And then you look at the rest of the games, and they were all pretty interesting. I mean, Cleveland-Houston is got a ton of storylines, not to mention Deshaun Watson, who's not even playing. And then you get to Miami-Kansas City, a little rematch from the game that was over in Germany. You've got Pittsburgh-Buffalo. They played in the playoffs a few times. Never in Buffalo, though, I don't think. And then, obviously, Stafford returns to Detroit. Any one of those would have made great sense for Sunday 1 o'clock, Sunday 8 o'clock, Saturday afternoon. We were almost kind of lucky enough to have a Kansas City Chiefs game that we felt like we could afford, quote-unquote, to put on Peacock. You know Peacock's important. Um, the strategic benefit of having that as a viable home for our games. They did a regular season game this year. They'll do a regular season game next year and want this wildcard game to be successful. One way to help ensure that, hopefully, is to put a Patrick Mahomes game there. I was about to say, let, let's stay right here on this game because it is exclusive. You, you've seen some of the talk about 11 Pro Bowlers in this game, not just Patrick Mahomes. I mean, this is a star start of a game as we have this weekend. But the decision to put it on the exclusive streaming app has created controversy. We can't see it on cable. We can't see it on network. 
What, what about this route? Because we've seen it before. I mean, is this a gamble of any sort of alienating fans? Or is it just, hey, this is where things are going in the world. Let's get ahead of it. Or is it, let's force people to the streaming app? Yeah, force is a tough word. But I, I think your, your first two <laughs> points are right. Is, is it a bit of a gamble? I don't know if I'd call it a gamble as much <laughs> as an experiment. And is this where television and sports viewership is going? I think so. I mean, I think you're, you're hinting at it. You're alluding to it. Think of what we've done over the last few years, right? A couple of years ago when we put the Thursday night package exclusively on Amazon, there were the naysayers out there. Like, no, I'm not going to get that streaming service. I'm not going to watch Thursday night football. The NFL is making a terrible mistake. The Thursday night package on Amazon this year performed really well, comparable to broadcast network. They averaged 13 million people watching every week. That sounds like a network television broadcast home for NFL games. So I think we can put Amazon in the success category. Um, you know, it wasn't that long ago that when we moved a wild card game to ESPN and everybody said, this is a horrible mistake. Right. You're taking it off of free television onto paid services. And uh, ESPN's obviously here to stay. And in fact, they're moving to the divisional round. So now ESPN simulcast on ABC to be fair, but ESPN's got a wild card game and a divisional game for the first time ever. And if you go back even further, I mean, some of us are old enough to remember when we first put um, you know, NFL games on cable. When we first put that Sunday night package on TNT and ESPN, this is the late 80s, and everybody thought that was going to be a terrible mistake. And it sort of seemed like those broadcast outlets were going to be viable in the future. Is it a bit of a risk? Yeah. Is it a bit of an experiment? Definitely. But it sure seems like this is where things are going. Who knows what the, you know, terrestrial linear television world looks like three years from now, five years from now, eight years, 10 years from now, when we renegotiate our media deals, right. you find that some of these streaming services not only are viable, but but even really preferable. So I think this is more just about, you know, kind of seeding the marketplace. Um, certainly, we've got some work to do to inform the fans and, and make sure they understand this is truly streaming only. It's, it's not going to be on over-the-air television, unless you're in Miami and Kansas City. As you guys well know, the games are always on free over-the-air television in the markets of the competing teams. But yeah, look, is it going to do 25, 30 million people? Maybe not, but is it going to be the most streamed sporting event in history? We think so. Uh, we just accomplished that goal with the Amazon game with the uh, Seahawks-Cowboys just a few weeks ago. I I think we're going to find that this Miami-Kansas City playoff game on Peacock is going to be the most streamed event, most streamed sports event in history, and that'll be another bar for us to try to climb over in the future. And Mike, one thing we found out about NFL fans, if they want to see a game, they're going to see a game. If they want to get to a stadium and see it. a game, they'll find a way. So, Mike, we appreciate you breaking down so much of this, and especially the streaming aspect of it, because we here at the NFL Report are a streaming show as well, hey, and we like the fact that we're exploring this frontier. So thank you so much, Mike. And the fans North. are finding you, right? The fans are finding you. It mm -hmm. might take a little social yeah. media engagement. It might take a little word of mouth, and some of us yeah. may need help from our kids to download the right app, but this is where the content yeah. lives. Maybe Mike, yeah. could lend a hand in going. some capacity. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, happy to. <laughs> All right, appreciate you, Mike. Thank you. Have a good walk our weekend, man. All Enjoy right, coming up, care. Josh Allen and those Buffalo Bills, they're an exciting team to watch, but what Josh Allen are we going to see in the postseason, the one who gives up the rock or the one who makes us want to watch? We'll have more for that on the NFL Report. And also listen to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, it's James Palmer, and you're listening to the NFL Report podcast along with myself and Steve Weish. But remember, if you want to see our beautiful faces, this is a show at 7.15 Monday and Thursday. That's 7.15 p.m. Eastern, and we are on the NFL app, as well as fast streaming platforms. That's Tubi, that's Roku, that's Pluto, that's Peacock, all of those platforms, as well as the NFL.com slash NFL channel. Find us all of those spots. All right, back with the final block here at the NFL Report. I'm Steve White with James Palmer. And Jeff Chidea, once again, is back for his weekly appearance in his 
University of Michigan glory. Hope you wash the shirt, Jeff. <laughs> no need. Only busted out for the big wins. Ohio State National Championship. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Real quick, this is Jeff's well, first read segment. Fan. Make sure to catch Jeff's, Jeff's column on NFL.com. First read. Also, since we're talking about multimedia platforms, the NFL Report is also a podcast. But, Jeff, we're coming to this weekend, and we see the Buffalo Bills. They are absolutely rolling. They get to play host to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we know are wounded, especially on defense. But Josh Allen, man, he, he giveth and he taketh away. <laughs> what do you think we're going to see? Are we going to see anything different out of him? You know what, Steve? You look at his track record in the playoffs, and no matter how crazy he gets in the regular season, he typically bears down and gets a lot steadier at that time of the year. And he's played some of his best football in January. So that's what I'm expecting. And I know what happened in Miami was bizarre to watch. It was the full Josh Allen experience, the three turnovers that could have killed this team. And then he comes back and makes a multitude of brilliant plays to get them uh, the win. Uh, ends up with 400 yards of total offense. And the stuff he can do is just things that end up playing well in the postseason. And I totally agree with some, something. Somebody told me this earlier this week in that if you want to win playoff games against Baltimore or Kansas City or whoever else, San Francisco, your quarterback has to do special things. Josh Allen can do those things. Well said. Yep. That's well, that is well said. And listen, everybody I've talked to up in Buffalo, Jeff, says the same thing. If Joe Brady, and he's been able to do it, get Josh Allen in a rhythm, that's when you just see him kind of find that groove, like almost like a shooter, right, in basketball. Like he kind of finds that rhythm, and he'll pull up from anywhere. Let's talk about – Two other quarterbacks. I witnessed one firsthand that was a part of a massive collapse. That was Trevor Lawrence and the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was in Nashville yeah. to see that one firsthand. Him and Tua Tungabailoa are on really the precipice of, of their first big contracts. Um, are they worthy of them in your mind? Big quarterback deals. At this point, I'm not sure about either one. And I'm going beyond the numbers here. When I look at uh, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, those quarterbacks, Herbert, yep. you hurt Justin Herbert's in that category. Now you see them doing things that really elevate their teams at certain points. And, and I just have not seen that consistently from Trevor Lawrence or, or Tua. And I like them both. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, especially when he was coming out of college, I always felt like he was a quarterback who – played well when he had a lot of great players around him, and now you're seeing him go through some of that adversity, and he's just not uh, yeah, That was ascending. his fault right there, that, that interception. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'll say this. He has been hurt <laughs> and banged up, you know, second half of the season, so you want to give him a pass. And two has faced the same kind of thing with his health. But I think the worst thing that could happen to both these guys is a guy named C.J. Stroud. Because right. now, when you're talking about mm. giving out big money, if you're an owner, you're looking at, well, these they're not him. It's not like you're talking about Joe Burrow or, Bur or Lamar or Patrick anymore. It's like not even C.J. Stroud level. So I do have some concerns about how they'll perform if they deserve those kind of numbers. So let's follow that up then. What do you do without them? That, that's what I'm saying. Like, do they get the, the big the Joe Burrow contract? I don't know. But it's like, okay, if we were to kick them out of the door, we could be in the same situation that yeah, a lot of these other we? teams are who are just hoping, hoping to find it. So is, is that – is that more of the conundrum for a general manager approaching a decision like this than anything else? Well, look, I think we've got recent history to see how it can go. And I'll give you names like Jared Goff and, and yeah. Carson Wentz and Colin Kaepernick, uh, quarterbacks who I think are in that same level that both these guys are at where they, you, you see some positives, you've seen some improvement, you've seen the way the team can play around them. They're both obviously well-liked within the franchises. They're good people. But then you start paying them those kind of numbers, and if they don't perform, it can have a huge negative effect on your franchise. You know, say what you will about Josh Allen, and he's probably the best example you can give of a guy who can frustrate you and, and make you make you ex exhilarate you at the same time. But he's done it in the playoffs, and he's got that look in his eye when when, when the eyes get big. And I just don't, I haven't seen that again from Tua or Trevor Lawrence. And those limitations are should be a big factor in, in those negotiations. Yeah, Jeff, I look at Jacksonville, and this was supposed to be a massive leap yeah. 
for Trevor Lawrence this season. That's why I'm looking at that as well. It was year two in Doug Peterson's system. We were all giving him just a mulligan for the year that he had with Urban Meyer, but they thought there was going to be a big jump this year. And that just, it's almost the same year that he had a year prior when he was the first year in the system. So I think that's why people are sitting there going, well, what's next? And you see the moves that really are happening in Jacksonville because that is the number one thing that they need to focus on. Let's stick to the position. I'll get to Harbaugh in a minute. Maybe I'm putting him off for a reason. But let's stick with the quarterback spot and look at Joe Flacco. This was Steve's idea, and I think it's brilliant. If Joe Flacco makes a run for Cleveland in this postseason, does Kevin Mm. Stefanski, Steve's pick for coach of the year, and a lot of people's, does he have the stones to say, hey, Joe Flacco, you're coming back into this locker room even though we have Deshaun Watson, and we're going to have you both in that quarterback room. Ah, that's a tough one. Yeah, that, that's asking a lot. That's a big what if. That's a lot of teams you got to go through. I was like, Steve, we have point. to ask Jeff this in that scenario. <laughs> I personally would not do it. I mean, I, I know what you're getting at, but Joe Flacco being almost 40 years old, you just don't know when the when, when it's all going to fall apart for him. And it's been a fun. It's but to me, it's been the best story the second half of the season. I imagine that he would want to be looking for an opportunity to play as a full-time starter somewhere. So it's not just about the Browns banging in brackets, but what he would want for himself. But I just think you've invested in Deshaun Watson. In some ways, you've probably given Deshaun Watson another reason to go out and get better and come back and perform at a higher level. But yeah, I just don't. At 40 years old, unless you're talking about Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, I would not make that kind of investment. Yeah, look, You think I, he has I'm a not- market elsewhere, Jeff? Right now, yeah. <laughs> you're talking about team in the quarter. But I think yeah. he could go start for someplace. Next year, easily, based on what he's done. Well, at least you bring him in okay. as, as, as a reliable Love backup. But I tell you what, he has yeah. won the hearts of the folks in Cleveland. And that game against the Houston Texans, the storylines are awesome. And he is leading that case. Jeff Janilla, thanks so much. We're not going to get to Jim Harbaugh. We'll talk about him uh, later. So, JP, you are spared. Yes. We're going to promo our show because <laughs> on <right>. Thursday, <laughs> we are back at the NFL Report. Remember, that it is also a podcast. You can get it wherever you get your pods. But also, if you're watching on television, you can find us on Peacock. Roku, Tubi, Pluto, and other free streaming apps. Again, wherever you get your podcast, the show comes off fantastic as a podcast. But on Thursday, we are loaded. We are going to have Debo Sam. We are. We are going to have Andre Reid, the Hall of Fame wide Let's receiver. Go. We have so much coming up. We have some more guests. We're not going to tell you all of them. But, JP, we'll see you Thursday. We're back here at the NFL Report. Wild card week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.